The VPM Daily Newscast is sponsored by Kanawa Capital Management. Your financial life is unique, complex, and dynamic. Kanawa Capital Management's team of credentialed professionals has been helping its clients build wealth and confidence through personalized planning and informed investing since 1989. Learn more at cancap.com. That's K-A-N-C-A-P.com. I'm Benjamin Dolly, and this is the VPM Daily Newscast. Governor Ralph Northam is facing mounting pressure from advocates and lawmakers to do more to address the disproportionate impact the coronavirus pandemic is having on the state's Latino residents. Alan Rodriguez Espinoza reports. In a letter to Governor Northam, the League of United Latin American Citizens is demanding that Virginia provide the community with more testing and free personal protective equipment and hire more bilingual contact tracers and translators. Cindy Benavides is the organization's CEO. Making sure that we have a public awareness campaign is key so that the community has this information both in English and Spanish. Five out of six Latinos work outside of the home, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, with many of them working essential jobs in agriculture, grocery stores, and hospitals. It means that more than 85% of the Latino community has to leave their house every single day to work and get paid, which means that we're coming more in contact with COVID. State Delegate Jennifer Carol Foy, who's also running for governor, voiced similar concerns in a letter of her own. She also called on Northam to make coronavirus relief funds for housing insecurity available to undocumented immigrants. Latinos make up 10% of Virginia's population, but nearly half of the state's COVID-19 cases. Alan Rodriguez Espinosa, VPM News. A spokesperson for Governor Northam said in a statement the governor appreciates the input. The spokesperson also highlighted work done with the State Health Equity Task Force and efforts to provide free COVID-19 testing in vulnerable communities, efforts the state has taken to address these disparities in cases. State revenues have taken a hit during the pandemic, but as Ben Pavey reports, a new report shows the loss isn't as bad as expected, at least so far. Back when the pandemic first hit Virginia, Governor Ralph Northam's finance chief warned of a billion-dollar hit to revenues through June 30th. Instead, the damage was less than a quarter of that. We're in a little bit better shape than we thought we were going to be in. Democratic Delegate Luke Torian chairs the House Appropriations Committee, which helps write the state budget. But make no mistake, things are still pretty tight and we're going to have to be very disciplined. Disciplined, he says, about updating the state's two-year budget in a special session later this summer. That will likely mean less funding for state programs. Torian says it could be several years before the state's economy rebounds to where it was before the pandemic. Ben Pavier, VPM News. Governor Northam ceremonially signed seven gun bills into law on Thursday. Northam says the bills, which went into effect last week, aren't just designed to stop mass shootings. Every year we lose more than 1,000 Virginians to gun violence. That's more than three Virginians every day in communities across our commonwealth. Nearly two-thirds of those gun deaths are suicides. One new law allows people to voluntarily place themselves on a confidential do-not-buy list for firearms. Once they're on the list, it will be a misdemeanor for them to own or purchase a gun. The program is set to be up and running next summer. A Richmond judge is blocking Mayor LeVar Stoney from taking down any more Confederate monuments. It's the same judge who's blocking Governor Ralph Northam from removing the Robert E. Lee Monument. Stoney ordered all city-owned Confederate statues to be taken down amid weeks of protests over police brutality and racism. He says the statues pose a public safety risk because protesters have been pulling them down. An anonymous person filed the lawsuit against Stoney, arguing that the mayor violated a new law that requires a 60-day public process before removing the statues. 
Protesters gathered at the John Marshall Courthouse in Richmond to speak out against evicting people from their homes during the coronavirus pandemic. In March, Governor Ralph Northam froze eviction hearings, but the state Supreme Court decided to overturn the moratorium. One protester, Clay Hurand, said Thursday he's not personally affected by the evictions, but feels strongly about how the city has handled the process. I think the city should be doing everything it can to prevent evictions and homelessness during a pandemic because people being out on the street are at risk of catching uh, the virus. So it's a public health risk. Evictions are a public health risk. There are over 9,000 eviction hearings scheduled statewide throughout the month. Dr. Oliver Hill Jr., a professor of psychology, historian, and Richmond native, died earlier this week. Patrick Larson tells us more about the legacy Hill Jr. and his family have left in the Commonwealth. As a black student in the 1950s and 60s, Oliver Hill Jr. experienced segregation, as well as Virginia's racist massive resistance policies and response to integration. Hill shared his experience during an interview at the Library of Congress in 2013. I wanted to go to the black schools with all my friends, but uh, you know it was interesting that it was inevitable based on what my father was doing. His father, civil rights lawyer Oliver Hill, represented students in Brown v. Board of Education. The U.S. Supreme Court's landmark ruling on that case desegregated schools nationwide. Hill taught cognitive psychology at Virginia State University and pushed for true integration in academia throughout his career. Patrick Larson, VPM News. Local newspapers have felt the sting of the economic downturn. Papers in Charlottesville and elsewhere have been furloughing and even laying off staff, including reporters. From partner station WMRA in Harrisonburg, Mike Tripp has the story. For culture reporter Aaron O'Hare, it seemed like any other day at Charlottesville's Seaville Weekly. Staff had just finished sending the publication to press. A little before 3 o'clock on Tuesday, June 9th, I got a call from our publisher basically telling me that I was being let go. And as I was on the phone with her, I started getting a bunch of text messages asking, what is going on over there? What's happening? Are you okay? So as I'm getting let go, I'm seeing the news of who else is being let go through text message because it's already on Twitter. How did she take the news? I kind of blacked out during that conversation. I don't remember much of it because I was so shocked and so upset. Then I pretty much just cried for the rest of the afternoon. I loved that job. With the loss of her position came another reality, the financial fallout. They left me in a really bad spot with three days severance. She wasn't alone. It was myself, then Laura Longhine, and Bill Lasor, creative director. They laid off a bunch of folks on the advertising side as well. How does this change things? Editorial staff had eight people making a weekly paper and working on special publications. And now there are five. In a Twitter post dated June 10th, the Seville Weekly said that it was a tough decision. And it wasn't the first time the publication had to cut staff during a recession. Even with a smaller staff, the publication tweeted that, quote, We remain committed to bringing you the very best local independent journalism. As with most small local news outlets, the Seaville Weekly is prone to cutbacks during economic downturns, mainly because the main source of revenue, local advertisers, dries up. I knew that our ad revenue was down because of the pandemic. I knew that we were hurting. Catherine Knott has a similar story. I'm an education reporter at the Daily Progress in Charlottesville. Her publication, like many others, was forced to furlough employees. means you're taking an unpaid week off of work. You can't check your email. You're not checking your phone calls. You're barred from work. I I view it as being benched. I mean, on the one hand, I completely understand that news organizations are businesses and have to meet the bottom line. 
Brad Jenkins serves as internship coordinator for James Madison University's School of Media Arts and Design, and he's also general manager of The Breeze, JMU's weekly student newspaper. He's also a former reporter and editor of the Daily News Record. I understand that they're trying to find ways to save on cost, and obviously personnel is going to be one of your biggest costs. It is uh, discouraging in a time when we need the media maybe more than ever as we're facing a pandemic and racial unrest and economic crisis. We need an independent media to give us the information that we need about those things. Now enter something new at the Daily Progress, a union, the Blue Ridge News Guild. We essentially formed in October to have a voice at the table and so that we could have some sort of say in the big decisions that were going to happen. Catherine Knott says the union also recognizes it's a difficult time for newspapers, but they also feel journalism has never been more important. Our belief is that local news is stronger when companies invest in its workforce. Some of them have also joined together to create the Virginia is for Journalist Relief Fund. We launched the Relief Fund in early April. We've raised nearly $25,000. So far, the fund has helped 19 journalists responding to requests for help with rent, grocery bills, cell phone bills, utilities. It's journalists helping journalists, and we have assistance, and we're more than willing to help more people. Despite repeated emails, publisher Peter Yates of The Daily Progress did not respond to requests for an interview. I'm Mike Tripp. And we have a correction for a story that aired yesterday about updated state guidance for reopening schools. We incorrectly stated that students have to stay six feet apart when the updated guidance allows students to be three feet away from each other if they wear masks. We regret the error. This has been the Daily VPM Newscast. Find all the stories you've heard online at vpm.org news. VPM. There are so many issues playing out in RVA. I mean, pretty much anyone will tell you. There's definitely a lot of poverty. Finding affordable housing. Traffic, public transportation. Climate change and heat islands. Trying to find childcare in Richmond area. I'm Rich Marr, host of a new VPM podcast called RVA's Got Issues. Listen to the podcast starting May 22nd. Do you have issues with RVA? Haven't found out yet. (laughs) Okay, good. 